Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Uh, we brought you some clips of the week pewter from 2005, which were, uh, were very interesting. Uh, and a few stories came off the back of that. Um, we uh, had a bit of a conversation that went in some weird directions yeah, involving AI members of uh, the... Uh, Premier League chairman fraternity. Um, we also spoke to Andy Zortzman, who, uh, who talked baseball and cricket ahead of the Ashes. Mm. And sad news today that Craig Brown had died, the former Scotland manager. And we had lovely tributes from Ali Ross from the Tartan Army and one of his friends and uh, players who played under him, Pat Nevin. So here it all is. That's a look out for the red light, Andy. Just the 20 odd years. Well, I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, that same point of the music every day when that light comes on, I wasn't expecting. What a piece of I work. I expect Becky to see that I'm anyway, speaking and wait till I've I finished. I said Ben Flesher, so I haven't got much of a leg to stand at the moment. Anyway, you haven't guessed this shabby intro. It is Paul Hawksby and Andy <laughs> Jacobs. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Yes, good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. Fascinated by this time of the year because there's so much transfer speculation mm. and all these Twitter ITKs in the nose come into the to the fore. Really, because yeah. well, I think the thing is we're hanging on their every word and their yeah. every post because we're desperate for good news. We we want news of transfers, all of us, don't we? We kind yes, of yes, I suppose we do. Really, of course we do. You know, yeah. you just any little tidbit you see, you kind of get excited. You start watching but YouTube reels of players. Their, like, I mean, Fabrizio Romano, he's got yeah. a big following. I mean, of course but, he does. Well, he, he gets right. a lot of them right. Oh, he does. But he must tweet about thirty times a day. Yeah. You think I'll get some perspective? You see, today he wrote crucial hours ahead for. Marcelo Brozovic's future. I was thinking, I'm sure he'd be all right one way or the other. <laughs> He's either going to stay. He's a bit in, dramatic, is the he'll point. He'll stay I'm earning a lot of money in Italy or he'll go and earn even more in Saudi. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. I don't know how crucial that really is. Not a matter of life. Not 24 hours in A&E, is it? These are all a bit random. I've written here, one of Elton's drummers looked like Martin Tyler. It did actually caught me a second. I thought, is that Martin? No, it wasn't. But I, I took a photo. That's Nigel Olsen, the legendary Nigel Olsen, who's Is been it? his drummer for years. Is that what you meant, or was it the other I guy? I think so. I'll show you, show you his photo in the break. Yeah. Because he had about three drummers. He had Ray Cooper on the Yeah, oh, fantastic, know, yeah. was great, wasn't it? It was very yeah. good, yeah, yeah. Very good. Pretty I'd like to see you wearing the suit he was wearing last night for work. <laughs> I'd end up walking like that if I wore that suit. <laughs> Especially in those... In those hot it's conditions, amazing though, isn't it? When he came on, you know, and he could, you know, he is struggling with the walking, mm. and uh, Sue seemed to think he had a he's had a hip operation. I don't know anyway, but who knows? But but as soon as he started, I mean, you know, he was yeah. like twenty or two hours of that, incredible. Very good. So it was the World Nettle Eating Championships. It was. We've, we've struggled to find any of the competitors. We made them a little bit later on. It's possible. But no yeah. sign of John Nettles or Dr. Leaf. No, that's true. Ned, John Nettles has never turned up. It seems such a... It's such, know, it's he a... must get sick. They must phone his agent. No, John can't make it this year. What about next year? We'll give you the date. Well, John's so busy. Is he? Really? He's, he's coming back to Midsummer Murders or he, he came back. I don't know. Oh, OK. The, the court circular's funny, the language they use. The, the king and queen mm. honoured Ascot races with their presence. Oh, that's bigger than me, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Tremendous. Yeah. 
I'm sure they enjoyed it. I mean, I suppose they did. Yeah. Uh, Salt Bay's apologised. Have you seen this? This is the guy who, uh, what, for the World Cup stuff? Yeah. He says he'll never step on a World Cup pitch again after hijacking Lionel Messi's glory. Mm. The Turkish butcher, 39, not my words, was dubbed the cringiest man on the planet after invading the pitch and grabbing the trophy. Yeah. We well, didn't really grab the trophy. He no. kind of touched it, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, he says it was a combination of my love of Argentina, really, and my excitement. I love Argentina. You would have done that if France had won it, mate, wouldn't yeah, you? I love Argentina. I've lived there. I went to support them. Mm. Um, I never wanted to overshadow anything. <laughs> Come on. Wow. He couldn't wait to get the photos on your Instagram. He seemed to be in about? every picture, didn't he? <laughs> he was. He's not known for being low-key. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so I'm to get the listeners going on today. Uh, Mark Carter from Gloucester Spurs, um, a listener to the station, and texted out. He's an electrician. He texted something. No, I remember we met him at Cheltenham with yeah. the crackers. Didn't we? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mark says I had a job uh, this morning. Went to price up a job and asked the uh, the old girl what her name was so I could save it in my phone. And she said, "I'm Janet Jackson." <laughs> of course she did. She was no. She was Janet Jackson. Um, I don't think she said anything. Not that one. She just sort of said, "I'm Janet Jackson." Mm. He put it in the phone. Yeah. So um, I said to him, "I hope she actually said it's Janet, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty." But he said that would have been. Quite Quality if she had, but just now and again, those sort of, sort of yeah. Can I get your name, please? Yeah, yeah um, Bruce Forsyth. Hey, eh? it was just some people have starry names well, and they're I like not ones the that star. Are quite similar, like Frank Beckenbauer. No, no I think it's got to be the real thing. It's got to be the full name. It's got to be the real thing. You kind well, of very early on we did this, and I remember a bloke looked like Rafa Benitez, but his name was Joe Royal. That's it. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. a he was a Rafa Benitez lookalike named Joe Royal, which was massively confusing, <laughs> it wasn't was, it? Yeah, lorry yeah. driver, I seem to remember. Yeah, I remember that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you can't you can't remember anything. Yeah, I can't remember anything. But there you go. I remember so, that. um, sometimes when you say, "Just get your name, please," and they say, "Yeah, it's." Um, Roberto Carlos, <laughs> basic carpet fitter. But anyway, it's um, famous name alikes. We'll take a few of those off the back of Janet Jackson today. Talksport.com forward slash H and J. Text to eight ten eighty nine or tweet to T S H and J. T S H A N D J. O three seven one seven double two double three double four. If you want to get in touch and uh, have a chat with us today and tell us your stories in person we've got other stuff as well um, we, uh, the baseball we brought you the, the build up to the baseball on mm. Friday fine mm. weekend uh, of games one one win apiece for the Cardinals yeah, in the Cubs, it was, it was yeah. fun it was enjoyable yeah so um, Jimmy Anderson and Nathan Lyon uh, through the ceremonial pitches the first pitches on the Saturday Pretty feeble effort by both of them to be really honest but well, Jimmy's was, was slightly better it wasn't too bad um, he was trying to get it a loop a bit too much wasn't he yeah. Nathan Lyon he wanted a bit more loop in it but um, apparently he said uh, Jimmy's biggest issue with it he said as long as I didn't end up on a video um, you know one of those sort of terrible viral ones because he said drive into the drive into the venue uh, to the mm. London Stadium his daughter was showing him the ten worst uh, celebrity pitches of all time because it's a big thing in the states throwing the first yeah yeah pitch. they showed quite a few on the coverage so yeah he was determined not to be one of those that goes over the you know the, the heads of the players etc etc yeah, yeah. so that fear of being the centre of attention that can happen to us all in uh, in Civvy Street they'd have to be doing the f first pitch at the London Stadium and suddenly you are the centre of attention when you were hoping you wouldn't be. So we'll take some of those. We'll also, afterwards, you said those famous name-alikes, talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TSH&J. Fascinating to hear from the Bournemouth owner, uh, Bill Foley, uh, a little bit mm. late, uh, a little bit earlier on with uh, Jim and Simon. But is he AI Bill Foley? <laughs> oh, no, I know we've seen pictures of a guy with white hair, <laughs> but I just... <laughs> he does really sound did. like he's computer... He really had an AI feel about his should voice. Do you have a little bit of Bill? He does sound a bit computer-generated, doesn't he? I'll, I'll start... I'll be keying things in. I'll key in what he's saying. <laughs> I'll just get my keyboard. So this is the way we do it. So let's do a bit of, bit of Bill Foley. Here we go. This is the time to do it. Do it before the preseason. Have a new coach come in with his new system, new systems. Work with our players. Give us a chance under his system to add players that we need in certain positions based upon his coaching style. It's quite easy, really. You just key it in, and, and Bill says what you've keyed in. It's brilliant. That is quite a strange hey, voice. I Bill. Isn't it? Yes. Do you yeah. want a bit more? Should I have a little bit more? Should we have got any more? We haven't got any more. Should we have got any more? We've got any more. That's all Bill had to say. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
I need to make an apology first to mm. Gloucester Spurs' Mark Carter, who I said is an electrician. He's actually a plumber, which does explain a lot, because he came and rewired my house and none of the lights work. No, of course not. Uh, but it was him that went and priced up a job as a plumber today for all your plumbing needs oh, in the Gloucester okay. area. Um, so, uh, yes, he went and priced up a job and said to the lady who was doing he said, can I just save your name in my phone so I can send you the quote? She mm. said, yeah, sure, it's Janet Jackson. Yeah. Not that one. No. She didn't have a wardrobe malfunction. No, it's not the I most uncommon. I would imagine there's a lot of Janet yeah, but it's, that's. I mean, it's got to be those names when the first thing you see is that person's face. As soon oh, as he yeah. said that, I saw Janet Jackson in a sort of three-bed semi in um, Gloucester <laughs> thinking of having some plumbing done. It does seem odd. But she's dressed as she was for the Super Bowl, which is very odd. It's just an odd way to dress, isn't it? That's the mental image of this old Mark with a pencil behind his ear and his, uh, his trademans outfit on. There's Janet. Yeah. Ready to take the stage at the Super Bowl. Um, I shoot clays with a bloke called Bruce Willis. Well, See, again, there you go. that's the mental image you'll get. We're you all would. getting yeah, it, yeah. even though we're sure your Bruce looks nothing like the real one. Um, I used to work in an office with Russell Hobbs. <laughs> Says Colin in Christchurch. It makes a cup of tea, Russell. Imagine yeah, this. Put a kettle on, Russell. He said he was pre-kettle toaster era. So, okay, thank you, Colin, the Villa fan. This is a corker. Um, I used to work for a housing association where the head of health and safety was one Kenny Dalgleish. Really? But wouldn't you call yourself Ken? Ken because or Kenneth. Yeah, I mean, I'd go Ken because Ken. suddenly someone says Ken Dalgleish. I'm not seeing it. As soon as I say Kenny, or even Kenneth, let's be honest, uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing the great man. Um, the lads in my office referred to him as the king when he ever came up in discussions. <laughs> um, I've been delivering some... Uh, oh, sorry. He said, when well, I didn't read this properly, he said, I've been delivering some, uh, some as, asbestos. I'm thinking, you're not allowed to do that anymore, are <laughs> right? you? He said, I've been delivering some asbestos training uh, today, oh, says one of the listeners, okay. and I've met an Andy Williams and a Richard Harris... Quite, really? Yes, Steve, the uh, the scientist yeah, up the villa, he says. Names, My, I know they are, but they're famous <laughs> names, Andy. Are, yeah. Don't under, undercut <laughs> this whole premise. You just completely... Anyway, the other one was my ex-boss was called Glenn Miller. Says, uh, that's good. Alan, but you like that? Oh, you're on side again well, now. That's common, isn't it? Yeah, what about that? <laughs> I bought an R Edge Rover 200 in 2006, and in the logbook, the previous owner was a Mr. John Terry, says Aaron in Norfolk. Oh, Probably. Good. I doubt if that was John, not then. <laughs> uh, so do keep those coming. The name alikes, basically. Um, talksport.com forward slash H and J. You can text to 81089. <laughs> you can tweet to TS. H and J. We've done a couple of bathrooms for a lovely chap called Barry Gibb, <laughs> says uh, Gary, the bathroom man. Two weeks ago, I had the pleasure of attending a training course with the head of the Welsh Ambulance Service, Derma O'Leary, says Chris <laughs> in Flint. On top of this morning. Did he give uh, you a hug? He's pretty, I'm sure he did. <laughs> when I lived in my old house in Runkle, my best friend was Carl Lewis. Sadly, couldn't run the 100 metres in under 10 <laughs> seconds, says Tony in Hunting. So we've obviously a rich team here. Courtesy of Mark from Gloucester Spurs. Talksport.com forward slash H and J. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, as I'm sure you're aware, Rian Ahmed has been brought into the England setup, as we still don't quite know whether Moen's uh, spinning finger is going to be uh, up to the I task. Think taking a big risk with this. I mean, even yeah. if it's kind of healed, another day's bowling, that'll be it. Mm. You know, it's bound to happen again, isn't it? Now, Derek Pringle, the former England all-round turned journalist, uh, was tweeting today. He said, after a second five for in the Ashes test, is Sophie Eccleston the best spinner in England, man or woman? And if mm. she is, is there anything in the rules slash laws to stop her being selected for the men's team? What could be more basball than that? Yeah. That's <laughs> th- a point. <laughs> it's, it's, an in- look, it's interesting, which is why he joins us now. Good afternoon, Pring. Afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Andy. <laughs> She's well, certainly there we bowled are. really well. I mean, she's yeah. a tr- she's the top women's bowler in the world, isn't she? I think she is, and 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 you know what I call her, absolutely a proper bowler. Lovely action, nice repeatable action. Lands the ball very consistent with her line and length. I mean, uh, you know, the people who watch her more—I don't watch her that often. I saw her the other day at Trent Bridge, and, and she bowled very well. I suppose in the women's game, not many batters get after her. Uh, and they do play with a slightly smaller ball, so whether she could uh, be quite as effective with a bigger ball, I don't know. But uh, I just posed the question. Of, you know, 
It would. Th- I mean, honestly, mm. from an Aussie point of view, it would. It would just be. It'd be fascinating, wouldn't it? They'd have to modify their sledging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they wouldn't. They'd go harder. Well, who knows? I was. I was. Uh, I was at President's Day at Essex yesterday, watching the county play against Warwickshire. You know, a lot of old players from my era were there, and they, they were saying, "Well, no one would dare to get out to her, would they?" That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, they wouldn't be happy to do that. No, I've, Ollie Robinson can't actually uh, sledge his own team, Kenny. So she'd probably be safe from that point. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, uh, it was look. It was it was uh, you know they were up against up against it in the closing stage of the women's ashes that they lost a little bit earlier. But yeah, not the greatest of shots I to get the, out to. I think the format of this is really odd because there's so much on the Test match that now England have got to win five out of six just to win the Ashes. It seems seems you know, if you want to kill interest in the series, make the first match worth so much that the rest of them are kind of academic is quite a strange thing to do. Maybe they kind of, you know, give the points according to how many overs are bowled. But you know, <laughs> I have no idea. I've no idea why they settle on it. You're right. You know, there is a there is a greater waiting for the test, and uh, you know they are up against it now. I, I saw a little piece with uh, Lauren Filer in the Telegraph today, talking about how she would love to be the world's fastest, and I, I was mm. I, not really. I just you know googled fastest delivery by uh, a, a woman bowler, and there seems to be this. The 80 mile an hour holy grail um, apparently someone's got just underneath it and there is a story that Elise Perry in the women's IPL managed to uh, bowl just over 80 but that same speed gun recorded one of the women players bowling 107 mile an hour so it, it sounds like it's a bit sketchy in its reliability she was, she was a spinner <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> and I saw Wisdom questioning whether that was legitimate or not because of the issues with the speed guns. But it's funny, it's, you know, that, so that's the point where they, what they mm. want to get, they want to get overrated. They're undoubtedly going to at some point. But, uh, yeah, I was quite interested to, to read that. Yeah, I watched, I watched a bowl the other day and she's, um, she's got, an, uh, she gets a lot of pace from a kind of really whippy wrist, which is, which is nice. And I think she can only really get quicker. She's pretty young, gets a more efficient action. And, and, and there's no reason, I don't think, why she shouldn't get over 80 miles an hour. Yeah. It was a good test match, but England are going to be annoyed with themselves. They dropped six catches, and I watched quite a bit of it, and the, the fielding definitely from, I think from both sides, but definitely from England really needs improving because it wasn't great ground fielding or catching. Yeah, I think, I think um, just as I say, I don't watch a lot of women's cricket, but I did go to the first day, and just something I thought I noticed is that the batting seems to be a level above the fielding and the bowling. Hmm. Uh, Sophie Eccleston apart and obviously Ash Gardner had a good second innings for Australia taking eight, eight wickets but um, so I guess they, they, they hit the ball pretty hard now the, the batters and uh, you know it takes some clinging on to and you're right I think uh, the fielding and bowling need to catch up it, it does seem that I mean some pretty low level sledging compared with what we've seen in previous Ashes over the years. Talking about the men, yeah. Yeah, sorry, the men. I'm mm. moving on to, yeah. but it seems to be massively overplayed. You know, front covers today. Robinson told to put up or shut up. They've been having a chat with his father-in-law, Paul Farbrace, and saying, "I want him to concentrate on his bowling." I mean, from what you guys in your era w- would encounter, uh, mm. uh, you know, with people <laughs> chirping away, this is does feel pretty low level stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's generally, you know, my memories, Merv Hughes or whatever. It was, it was never, it was rarely funny uh, <laughs> when, it, when it's, it's Australians. But I do remember one where um, Mark Mark War or Steve War, yeah, I think it was Mark War was sledging Jimmy Ormond, who was uh, a bowler with uh, who liked his beer, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. Mark Wall kept saying to him, you're, t- you're too fat to play test cricket, mate. You're too fat. And, then, and eventually, Orman turned around to him and said, at least I'm the best player in my family. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a one of, it is one of the classics. That, that, that probably would shut him up, I would imagine, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, who knows? Yeah. Wouldn't have shut Merv up. He'd have kept going. Yeah. He's a strange player. I met him once, Merv, at cricket. Mm. I went up to him and said to him, I don't know why I said it. It was one of those stupid things you say when you meet somebody famous. I went... You Merv Hughes. <laughs> he said to me, no, I'm not. <laughs> That's the easiest way of getting rid of people. Yeah, I know, he insisted that he wasn't Merv Hughes. And I was thinking... Well, I, I knew him when he was a so scholar at Essex. He came over in 83 as a 19-year-old, and uh, he didn't have a moustache then. Of course, actually, he was, he's, he's quite a handsome man. He really hides behind that moustache. Does he? <laughs> I mean, once, once he shaves it off, though, no-one knows who... I mean, you know, he comes over, is, he comes over with a big... 
parties of Aussie fans, hmm. and he has to have the moustache because he's Merv Hughes. They have that. If, if I'm spending hmm. thousands of Aussie dollars on a trip, I want Merv Hughes to have the trademark moustache. <laughs> so he better not be shaving it off. Instead of the, the tour guide having a brolly, just follow the moustache. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> marvellous. Yeah, because they keep finding him in the crowd. Don't know. Have you noticed that? The yeah. Most days there well, he is. It's not the, difficult, is it? In really? the middle. No, exactly. Although you weren't sure whether it was him or not. Well, so exactly. Clearly, that's the case. How are you feeling about this second test then, uh, Derek? Well, in England, um, I remember in 2005, they went one down, uh, First test, lost the first test, came back uh, pretty well. But they don't have a great record against Australia at Lords. I think mm. in history, we've only, we've only won a few tests at Lords, mm. quite a lot, quite a few. Um, um, yeah, I think um, I think if it was a ground where Mark Wood did well, I, I'd be feeling more confident. But I, I think they're going to come hard, and, and I just think if they can you know, um, evolve the brand a bit and just use a bit of now. So when you've got the Aussies a little bit on the back foot, just keep them there with, we're not doing anything too silly. <laughs> yeah. Well, the same, I mean, it, could, it could be a bit of rain, a bit of cloud. It could be, you know, a bit overcast. That might help Jimmy Anderson this time. Well, well Jimmy will be praying uh, mm. for a bit of cloud because if, if, you know, it's England's intention to play on dead pitches like they did at Edgbaston, I mean, <laughs> I think he'll be considering retirement pretty soon. Uh, they're not. They're not anything that's going to help him. Unfortunately, those kind of surfaces. But um, yeah, no, he'd he'd like a bit of cloud, I'm sure. And uh, he usually does a bit, as you say, at Laws under the, uh, when when the when the clouds rolling. Yeah, as we said, the slight red flag from an England point of view is that you know they've effectively won that first test without Smith or Labuschagne to yeah. their bas- batsmen getting many like, runs. They were fortunate to win, though. I think England were the better team overall, but oh, they did. Well, that was session. that was the point, Andy. That's what I'm trying to make. England mm. did all the running, yeah. As you say, probably deserved to win, but for some sort of strange decisions where they could have really kind of put steps on Australia's throat and have made them pay, and they didn't. They let them let them back into the game. Yeah, oh, well, can't, can't do that against them. They're, they're no mugs. No, no, absolutely. absolutely. Well, good to talk to Derek. Thanks very much. Yeah, cheers. There mm. we are, Derek Pringle, there former England all rounder and journalist. Um, the name-alikes you've been uh, furnishing us with this afternoon, which is very good. I once gifted an old car when I got the logbook. I was, I was once gifted an old car, says the listener. Uh, and I, when I got the logbook, it turned out the previous owner was none other than Dorothy Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. We've had Barry Gibb and his bathrooms. Uh, what else have we got here? A guy phoned my restaurant in Cyprus to book a table under the name Clarkson. My son is a massive fan of Top Gear. So when he arrived, I jokingly said to him, Sorry if I look disappointed, but I was hoping to see Jeremy, to which he said, I am, and proceeded to show me his credit card to prove it. So he was uh, a Jeremy a Clarkson, Jeremy Clarkson not, not the not, Jeremy okay, Clarkson, says uh, Mikey <laughs> in uh, Chesterfield. Uh, I know a geologist called Liam Gallagher. Not so badly. <laughs> who, uh, in the 1990s, used to receive regular late-night phone calls from female fans propositioning him, says Matt in London. Fantastic. You've got the, you've got the geologist. Uh, my brother is Ian Poulter, not the golfer, but the car trader in Ashurst, Ashurst, in, Ashurst in Hampshire. Yeah. Guys used to be pretty impressed when I told them my, my brother was Ian Poulter. That's good. Leaving the important information. That's out. a good one because that's an unusual name, Ian Poulter. I mean, okay, so the bar you're setting now is they have to be unusual. Well, otherwise, names. you could just say, "Oh, my name's John Smith," and people confuse me with the agent John Smith. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> they wouldn't, would they? That's that's a really terrible well, example. Be any name. Once took a call from a haulage company um, wanting to add two drivers to their motor policy. They were called Michael Owen and Neil Armstrong. Is that enough? You like that? I like that. Jimmy and Lester, thank you. Okay, keep them coming. Uh, This is off the back of uh, Talksport listener Mark Carter pricing up a a job, plumbing job for a customer. And uh, when he asked her name, uh, just for his phone records, to send her a quote, she said, Yes, I'm Janet Jackson. So uh, that's how we've got into this sorry mess that Andy is now completely undermining. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Anything else you want to talk about, Andy, today? <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Some interesting letters uh, about football to the newspapers. Yeah. This one from Dave Jeffcock. That's a good name, isn't it? Good. Yeah, great name, yeah. Harry Kane wants to lead Tottenham after 10 good years, but bosses are making it difficult by demanding 100 million. Chief Daniel Levy should be ashamed. Shame. <laughs> yeah. It's business, mate. That's how it works. That's very true. 
Honestly, these people. Uh, the story about these golfers. Jim Dearlove is still playing golf at 102 with pals age 97, 88 and 83. I was thinking, is that their score or their ages? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that could be. Um, God, save, um, God save the king, uh, Andy. Uh, yes. You could sing the first verse, could you? I, think oh, no, so. I don't want you to, no, but no. if you had to, when called upon, yeah. you'd get that right. Mm. How would you get on with the second verse? No, difficult. Yeah, uh, well, that's what happened to uh, England's under-20 rugby players. They lined up in South Africa. They were playing, uh, I think it was Ireland, in a World Championship match. And so they go, save king. And then they go into the second verse. <laughs> and there's pictures of the players all looking a bit nonplussed. We're just like, oh, there's one for the road, just sing the same <laughs> verse again. Um, I, I used to think, I, I think there is a verse that has got that rebellious Scots to crush. I don't think it's no. the second verse. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think they use it for uh, for all of them. But yeah, no one would have a clue, would they? I mean, no. you, you could blag it. I suppose you do that thing you occasionally do. Even just Laura sort of, Wright wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to mime it. Oh Lord, our God arise, scatter our enemies, rhyme, and make them fall. <laughs> Confound their politics, frustrate their knavish tricks. Not a phrase you use every day. Uh, on thee, our hopes we fix. God save us all. And surprisingly, no 19-year-old really. English rugby players had a clue what that <laughs> Why was. Why would they? It's a good yeah, point. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Parker wrote to The Sun. He oh, said, good. Well done, Jerry. Whichever channel Jeff Stelling eventually joins will gain a presenter with a font of sports knowledge. Yeah, it's Jeff Stelling. Yeah. <laughs> People are yeah. brilliant. Why would you want to write that to a newspaper? And of course, um, the, the, if you want the antidote to Jeff Stelling, look no further than the three yards to my right, because um, in <laughs> fact, we had a couple of T-shirts made up. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I mean, the, the art of it, of course, we get it with our own Adrian Durham, when there's yeah. mayhem going yeah. on in your ears, yeah. when goals are going in left, right and centre. It's not easy. It takes a lot to concentrate and keep talking and keep broadcasting mm. when there is a cacophony of noise. It's true. You know, go to Sinsel Bank or do this, or there's been a goal at Coventry or whatever. But the great thing is, Andy Jacobs, um, if he was doing Jeff's, he's not going to get Jeff's old gig. I can, I can guarantee that. Because what would happen? They'd be in his ear and he'd go... Oh, yeah, uh, they're going old, Sky. So yeah. Get rid of all their people. <laughs> they're going to go older. older. They're going to go even older. It's quite bold. There's not many broadcasters doing it. But uh, it, would, it, it, would, it, it would be quite good, wouldn't it? Because uh, Andy would go... Is it? Oh, oh, is it? Mm. Okay. Well, look, should we get an So, there are, you're in Jeff's chair, which is unlikely. I'd be talking to so, a one way conversation. Okay. So, just keep keep, uh, keep chatting. The producer will do what happens to Jeff and Adrian on a Saturday afternoon. So, just give us one of your other letters or something. Okay. Interesting. Uh, well, it's quite an interesting thing, this, because we're talking about. There's been, there's been a goal at Bolton. <laughs> you can't just do that. You can't just shout, like, there's been a goal at Bolton, apropos of nothing. You have to get out it's of really what you're talking. It's great. I'm trying to concentrate on this piece. Okay, try again, Andy. This is good okay. practice for you. We're going to need a steward's inquiry. <laughs> Don't do stop! <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst live on-air audition. If Adrian's ever off on a Saturday afternoon, the very last call they'll make the very will be call. to Andy. Imagine it. Can I just, Adrian wasn't in today. They got Andy Jacobs in. And so well, how, did, um, how did Luton get on? I've got no idea. <laughs> he, he, he spent the whole three hours trying to read a letter from the trying, sun. He was talking about readers' trousers. Then they... Then there was a goal somewhere, but he didn't know where it was. All right, try it with it. the reader, because I've got something on reader's trousers. Okay, why do you think what the content of what you're trying to read will be any different when <laughs> well, there's someone I'm, in your I'll ear? try and concentrate on it. Okay. Okay, this is to do with the ultimate comfort trouser. Oh, yeah. This super style is perfect for everyday trips to the shops, restaurants and pubs. When you need to know the world... <laughs> I remember. Yeah, that's going quite well. You, well. Can you pinpoint the moment when the producer says, there's been a goal at Stamford Bridge? Great, yeah, isn't really it? Terrible. Absolute. Did you want to try again? Let's have one more for the road Ultimate here. Comfort is provided by a pull on style with mock fly. Isn't that Harry Judd's band? Oh. <laughs> I managed to well, get that quite joke well. <laughs> That's the best you did, because it was right on your punchline. Yeah, it was. But the trouble is, it was in my ear as well, so I missed what the first bit... Is no, this trouser's it's got a mock fly, so isn't oh, that Harry Judd's band? That's a good joke. Yeah, that is a good bad. joke. Yeah, mock and fly. And there's been a goal at Sinsel Bank. <laughs> 
Gillingham, apparently. Gillingham, I don't sorry. think they're playing there anymore, <laughs> or indeed ever did. So there we are. So with any budding broadcasters out oh, there, no. do you know they often say that? Any budding goalkeepers or strikers, just watch what he does. Oh, well, if you think complete reverse of that, <laughs> yeah, if you're exactly. after Jeff's job or Adrian's job, <laughs> then uh, that's that's what you need to be yeah. doing. So, um, <laughs> what else have we got? Oh, yeah, we have to have a few more of these namer-likes off the hmm. back of... Our old mate Mark Carter, the plumber, uh, going to price up a job for Janet Jackson earlier. Not that one, that lady from Gloucester. Mm. Uh, what other ones we got for you? When I first started working in the menswear trade, yeah, brethren Andy, uh, there was a rep called Stuart Pierce, who was nowhere near the hard man I expected on meeting mm. him. Then I met the Ben Sherman rep, one Paul McCartney. Says uh, wow. Hendo in Dunmo. That's um, good. So, yeah, I mean, don't you think Paul's trying to make up his money? You know, just going around being the Ben Sherman rep in the menswear trade. Things I don't know how old this Paul McCartney is, but if your last name is McCartney, yeah, and you have a child, don't call it Paul. I mean, well, I mean don't yeah. burden it with that. It's not a good idea, is it? The whole of his life, he's going, Are you Paul McCartney, you know, you try the bloke mad. <laughs> is that what would go on? Yeah. Well, here we go. Where's it gone? There was another quite good one here. Uh, somebody involved in a in a minor prang in his car. So where's it gone? Oh, I was it, yeah. Mm. I had a car crash, got out of the car, walked to the other vehicle to exchange details. I'm William Wallace, he says. Was he on the wrong side <laughs> of the road? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, very good. William Wallace. William Wallace. Um, I thought, here we go. But he produced mm. a driving licence, and indeed, he was old Braveheart himself, unlikely. William mm. Wallace. Uh, James in Bromley, thank you very much for that. Uh, you can keep those coming, talksport.com, text 81089 or tweet to... Uh, TSH&J. Well, on the subject, do you want another Beatles one? Mm. John in Liverpool says, I have a customer in the Merseyside area whose name is John Lennon. So you can only think that, you know... It's incredible, isn't it? You think the Lennon family thought it would be a good idea. It's not a good idea, though. And his brother Aaron, of course. Um, When anyone (laughs) meets him for the first time, they always ask him where Paul, Ringo and George are. That's what I said, yeah. Drive you mad. It's a burden, isn't it? Did you see that the woman who founded, co-founded Just Stop Oil is called Indigo Rumbelow? I've heard of her before, yeah, that's never, right. You'd never be short of a washing machine. No, that's it? right. That's one for uh, old uh, electrical retailers, <laughs> fans of old electrical retailers. And League Cup sponsors. And League, and League Cup sponsors, uh, that's right. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Well, it's Clips of the Week Pewter. We're going to take you back to July mm. 2005. We've dipped into the archives. Uh, you know the story. Old box of mini-discs lying in the corner, discarded. One mini-disc Neglected. Neglected. 
gathering dust, but the producer picked them up one day and lovingly digitised them on his uh, mini-disc player. I was telling him earlier on, I was a late adopter to the mini-disc player. Mm. I think I bought one. It cost about 180 quid. I think I bought one. one as well, yeah. I bought one just as uh, MP3s were coming in. <laughs> and I think it was the day after the whole world of music changed. There's nothing like it, is there? <laughs> Terrible. Anyway, he's still got his one. It's still working. And uh, he's digitised all of these from the old mini-discs. And here we are. We've not mm. heard these since 2005. No. Um, he's done pretty well curating them so far, but we cannot speak to the quality. We go in hopeful, Andy, don't we? Hopeful. Okay, what's the first one? It's Mike Parry talking tennis. In tennis, we are literally short of a hero. We always have been. Tim Emmons has been a hero for the last 10 years, done a magnificent job. Tim's ninth in the world at the moment. He won't be ninth in the world this time last year. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how that works. (laughs) Over to Nigel Botherway on Fisherman's Blues now, who received a text. Uh, here's another one. Uh, Nigel, I fished four threes... Oh, so yes, all these text abbreviations can confuse me at times. I fished for four... Th- I fished four three seasons. Uh, caught, only used float, feeder, ledger. Am I alone? What, in understanding that text message? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably are. Definitely. You probably are, definitely, Nigel. Yeah. So lazy. I'm, I'm with Nigel on that one. Alan Brazil and Graham Beecroft now, and Beaky getting very hung up on his naval history. And John is now with more on the celebrations. Naval spokesman Captain Chris Palmer. Uh, Captain, very good morning to you. Uh, good morning, John. Uh, just looking back on, on Lord Nelson, uh, Captain. When you uh, you went through college and uh, and looked at naval history and tactics, how much was Nelson's victory at Trafalgar um, used in uh, during your education? <laughs> uh, just going back to Lord Nelson again, uh, Captain, and uh, his tactics for this battle. Just remind people what he did to win the Battle of Trafalgar. Amazing stuff. Um, just going back to Lord Nelson. Then <laughs> stop going back yeah. to Lord Nelson. Nelson won Tramia nil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think just going back to what sort of formation did he? He played sort of. He had two sixes sitting with an eight slightly further advanced. <laughs> so he liked to play. You are listening to Talksport, by the way. What was the obsession there with Lord Nelson? I've no idea. I said captain. I said what? <laughs> Morning, captain. And <laughs> um, staying with Big Allen. Yes. Here he is taking a call. Let's go to Stockport next, up north, and Steve. Hiya, Steve, you're on TalkSport. Hi, Alan, Graham. Um, I just, want you, I just wondered what Steve, you morning. Morning. Hello. TalkSport with the Ford Transit. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> that was quality. It was. This is uh, Mike Dickin, the great Mike Dickin, on the Late Night Show. Women ask you to register at talksport.nut. <laughs> talksport.nut. <laughs> well, you had a point. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Mike Parry again, who was talking whales. As well, instead of you trying to impersonate <laughs> Richard Burton, which sounded was... more like sounded more like some American actor trying to perfect a Welsh accent, you know, a bit sort of uh, uh, old uh, Zeta Williams well, or whatever. I, I thought it was... Catherine Zeta-Williams. <laughs> That's not right. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. He just plucked a Welsh name yeah. out of the air, just got the wrong one. And, and used Zeta as a first name. Yes. Overnight presenter Mark Keane now. No, me neither. That's a bit harsh. I know what well, I didn't say. The producer's written this. Yeah. Taking a call. Talk sports, Mark Keane, till uh, six in the morning, bit of a marathon. Stuart from Stanmore, you've had a bit of a problem getting through tonight. Good morning, Mark, and good morning to all bears in Radio Land. <laughs> Very good. You're obviously an ex-DJ. No. 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 I'm really I mean, Britain's foremost uh, Michael Crawford, Frank Spencer impersonator. <laughs> was, really. I think he was there. Um, <laughs> the conversation didn't end there, though, as Mark and Stuart tried to get a bit of rapport going. <laughs> Have you got kids, Stuart? No, not that I know of anyway. If you- <laughs> Fair enough, Stuart. That's the safest out, isn't it? Well Definitely. Uh, here's Beaky on location in Singapore for the announcement of the 2012 Olympic host city. But uh, fantastic view. We're right at the mouth of the Singapore River here, uh, which snakes inland, of course, and... Uh, yeah, it's probably the other way, <laughs> but fair enough. I wonder how Lord Nelson would have uh, made, uh, yeah, what he would have made of that. I have no idea. Oh, interesting. This is Alan Brazil chatting to Bob Bubker at the golf, and Alan subtly squeezing in, yes, a corporate mention. Yeah. And I said, wait a minute, now I'm going to get my tape recorder rolling. I want to hear that again. You're calling me first before you call Gary Player? That, that's pretty no. amazing. So. Hey, Bob, Ooh. do you see the lovely Sue Page up there from Callaway? 
Did you go and see the Callaway, um, you know, the big transit vans I've got there? Yeah, new driver in the post <laughs> yeah. there. Out, uh, I've got a lovely new driver, Callaway. Lovely driver, it's lovely. This is the one where uh, Adam was going to plug something and the producer and you kept dumping Well, every we'll time. tell you that story. It wasn't just <laughs> golf clubs. Uh, I don't you guess what car Alan was driving based on this clip from Alan and Beaky's outside broadcast in Singapore. I tell you, you don't see too many. You don't see too many Mercs and stuff. I've seen loads of Lexus, loads of Toyota. Yeah, yes. it was funny enough. It was the Lexus, the producer at the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Alan was given use of a Lexus. I think he was. Um, yeah. And um, the guy from the company said, "I've not many mentions out." Oh, I've been saying it quite a lot. He didn't realise the producer was dumping every time he said it, so it never went out. Uh, going back to Mike, we got to tell the Mike Dickens story. He's an absolute corker. The then man in charge of uh, of Talksport decided to do a kind of hands across. Uh, the mm. the water with uh, our our brave troops overseas. Yeah, um, and they called it touching base, didn't they? And they let <laughs> they put Mike Dickin in charge of this new feature, touching base with uh, with the service men and women mm. uh, overseas. And they did the feature, and one day Mike Dickin was on air, and uh, someone said, um, "Would you mind reaching out or possibly having a new feature within touching base?" <laughs> For the many padres working with the services, might just like my brother, possibly call it touching cloth. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, isn't it? An absolute corker. I might read it out, not realising the relevance of it. He said something like, "I think that wouldn't be a bad idea." <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he was being serious, Mike. Anyway, going back to the mentions. <laughs> so, what car was Alan driving at the time? Do you think? Italians, they'll have to use the Ferrari. The Americans can use Cadillacs and the like. The people in the Eastern Bloc can use the Ladas and the Skodas and the Trabants and stuff like that. Japanese Lexus, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> shameless, shameless, isn't it? Really, honestly, shameless. Naked, plugging. Yeah. Well, that was one that obviously beat the producer at the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we did manage to work in an old country classic uh, at the time. And this is Gary Player it singing was, it. You exactly, unearthed this record. Yeah. Here it is. Stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Lexus. <laughs> the prairie sky is wide and high. Deep in the heart of Lexus. <laughs> there we are. We're still going. <laughs> like perfume. One more. Deep in the heart of Lexus. Yeah, I forgot about that. Gary's album. We used to play quite yeah. a few tracks from it. Yeah. The interesting thing is that he made. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what he was. It didn't matter what he was singing. He sang it in his. <laughs> in the yeah. <laughs> she gets too hungry for dinner at eight. And you think it was just doesn't really swing quite as much. That's why the lady. It's all. It's all it's kind of crazy. Gary didn't compromise. No. I am alignment for the. It was just all very South African, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, anyway, it's a whole album. Go and check it out. Yeah, Gary Player. It's on Spotify. Gary Player sings. So there we are. Some clips there from. Um, <clears throat> from 2005 we'll dust a few more off next the week the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast so you've been telling us about your name alikes we told you earlier on of uh, TalkSport listener Mark Carter going to price up a job in Gloucester he's a plumber and he asked the lady's name who he, uh, so he could send the quote and she said I'm Janet Jackson I mean it's not an unusual well it's it's a famous name the point we were making yeah, it's, it's a very a, famous, yeah, name, famous name and yeah. it did slightly throw him um, yeah. because it wasn't that Janet Jackson Unless she's living in a sort of semi-detached place in uh, Gloucester these days, maybe she is. It's a good <laughs> way of keeping it under the like radar, it. I guess. <laughs> um, my five-year-old grandson is Ollie Robinson. <clears throat> his sledging is not up to it yet, <laughs> although he has plenty to chat about. He says, Kevin. Also, one of my staff. This is an interesting one. We had two people with with these. Um, Mike Tyson. One of my staff is Mike Tyson. We mm. also had Paul get in touch. My brother is Mike. Um, Mike Tyson um, but he's a big soft pudding he says of his brother which is very nice <laughs> couldn't punch his way out of a paper bag so that's a classic case of you'd mm. call yourself Michael or Mick wouldn't you yeah because that would probably be enough to put people off the scent wouldn't it Mickey Mickey, Mickey Tyson Mickey you see Tyson. you're not you're not immediately seeing I'm no. Mike then are you but yeah. the minute it's Mike Tyson you're right mate, you can put people off the scent I was working in Bristol building a block of flats and there was a labourer there called Glenn Campbell <laughs> See, you would, wouldn't it? Yeah, you just, well, you would. You'd be thrown. Um, talksport.com, text 81089. Tweet 
TS H and J. You can keep them coming. And uh, what else we got? Uh, my husband was Alan Stubbs when attending hospital some years ago. His name was called out, and heads mm. pop, re- popped around the door along the corridor to see if it was him. They were all a bit disappointed when they saw this sixty-nine-year-old. He just <laughs> smiled and said. I'm the original. Very good. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. So do keep them coming. Talksport.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Um, our next guest, uh, regular on the station over the years, he's a comedian and he's a cricket statistician. Yes. And he loves stats, I think it's fair to say. And there are very few sports that are, that are more stat heavy than cricket. But That's true. But baseball is one of them. So, um, Andy Zortzman uh, went along... Uh, this weekend to watch the two games unfold at the London Stadium. We brought the show from the London Stadium on Friday in all the build-up to that. So, uh, and he's drawn some parallels in a, in a Guardian piece today between uh, cricket and <clears throat> baseball, which, yeah. which is understandable. So he's joining us to do that and to also look ahead to uh, the second test at Lords and some interesting stats around the, the women's ashes as well. It was quite a landmark test. Yes, Andy, good afternoon. Hello, hello. So what? What about? Did you enjoy the experience? There was no equivalent of the sort of Holly stand getting stuck into <laughs> getting stuck into any of the players. Uh, no, it was. Yeah, there wasn't. That. I don't know how long baseball will have to be played here before we reach you know the level of fandom that translates into direct personal abuse of players. <laughs> there was some mild booing of uh, Wilson Contreras, the uh, uh, Cardinals catcher who uh, who had transferred. From the Cubs, so I, I don't know if that was from the travelling Cubs fans or from people who'd read about that in the paper and thought, well, let's put some effort in and <laughs> give them a boot. Um, but no, there there wasn't that, and it was uh, yeah, it was like I've been to a few of the NFL games in London uh, as well, and that had a similar thing of uh, you know everyone there seemed to be really interested by the sport, but that there's no kind of passionate emotional engagement in who wins, so it sort of lacks something as a sporting event, but there was a you know kind of positive atmosphere and quite a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I was thinking about this yesterday as well, and I thought the main differences between cricket and baseball are the pitch and the ball. In baseball, you get a new ball every delivery. Yeah. <laughs> and every ball is a full toss. And uh, the changing condition of the ball and the pitch, I think, and the 360-degree aspect of cricket makes cricket a better game than baseball. And I love baseball. Controversial. But I, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. As a like you, I'm a lifelong cricket fan, and yeah, so I think baseball. And I've watched quite a bit on TV and at uh, and and at a few few games in America over the years, and, and London this weekend. It does lack a bit of the tonal variety that you get in cricket in terms of the the range of different strategies that can be employed in the field in terms of fielding positions, which is you know pretty basically rigid in in baseball. Uh, but that said, there's enough subtlety and a lot of craft in it that uh, you know does keep you interested. And as I wrote in the piece in the in the Guardian, you know, if, if cr- test cricket does eventually die, uh, which everyone has been prophesying pretty much since about a minute after it began in 1877, <laughs> then um uh postseason baseball is the closest thing. You get these kind of long drawn out series, these rivalries building up intricate narratives spanning over over weeks so that that will be my refuge if uh, the, the threatened death of test <laughs> i don't know i mean after that first test and what's been going on in the last year <laughs> well yeah, it seems pretty healthy doesn't it It does in a lot yeah. of ways i didn't uh, know that sorry andy carry on wasn't well, that with with this you know that the the idea of test cricket really struggling in the last 20 years you know you could create a statistical argument as well as just a um a, a general argument as a fan that it's been some of the best test cricket that that, that we've seen broadly and uh, you know the, the game's become more attacking teams generally take more risks and we've seen an extreme version of that with uh with since stokes and mccullum took over i know they don't like the term basball so you know we'll call it snm cricket if you like because obviously it's Go Stokes and McCullum, and it, it can harm you as much as the opposition. So that seems a more appropriate term for it. Uh, so, so test cricket. No one's going to be calling it that. <laughs> there's been a lot of great cricket over the last few 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 decades, but this narrative of test cricket dying, it's it's almost like test cricket is fighting against its own administrators. The players and the fans still absolutely love it. It's a 
product that should be saleable. We live in an age when people are obsessed with long-form narrative. If you look at TV, children's books, all the things that do really well are ones that have a lot of narrative complexity, and cricket seems unable to see that that is its uh, unique selling point. So when we've seen a, you know two great tests already this summer, the women's tests are going to fluctuate in game with both sides having periods of dominance and shifting momentum. The World Test Final was an interesting game as well. So you'd think cricket should be able to sell this. Um, uh, so I'm hoping I don't have to, to resort to, to, to postseason baseball as my what my one refuge uh, in, in if Test cricket dies. Looking for links between the sports, you talk about a meeting. I knew nothing about this between Babe Ruth, the baseball legend. This is 1932, and Don Bradman, mm. Australian cricket legend, who you obviously trained with a with a stump and a golf ball in the garden. So had a good eye. He oh, probably yeah. would have hit it a long way. But um, <laughs> is there footage of this, Andy? I think there's certainly photographs, and if I remember um, uh, rightly, this he was on a tour of the of North America with a with an Australian team that essentially doubled as his honeymoon. And that he took <laughs> really? his, his wife. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not recommending anyone who's about to get married. Do not suggest to your uh, imminent spouse that you go on a cricket tour as honeymoon. I think you have to be Don Bradman to, to pull that off. But he did meet. Uh, he met Babe Ruth in in New York at the sort of height of Babe Ruth's fame. There are there are photos of. I don't know if there's any any footage but um yeah two two legendary figures coming mm. coming face to face and we had yeah jimmy anderson throwing out the first pitch yeah uh, and nathan pitch. lyon so who was i mean we are looking for any signs we <clears throat> can ahead of the second test who so had the yeah. better pitch was it jimmy or was it nathan lyon oh well you've got to say anderson absolutely absolutely <laughs> mastered it i think um yeah after the the, the, the pitch he had to play on an edge pass and he might quite like a sport where he doesn't have to make it bounce um <laughs> so uh yeah it's uh, uh yeah but the game that they pitched in um, as I as I mentioned in the article, the Cubs won nine one. Anderson was in a Cubs shirt. Lyon was in a card shirt. Oh. Ca- basically, the Lord's Test is already won. God, that. well, that's good to hear. Now there was a <clears throat> mascot race as well. We were talking oh, a bit yeah. about this on the Friday, and uh, I, I wasn't aware of it. Now, guest I talked about, it, I thought they'd gone mad. They said we got <laughs> the race tomorrow: Winston Churchill, Henry the Eighth, Freddie Mercury, and a Grenadier Guard. Was that is is that was that everything? Was it a, was it a four four mascot it was race? Just, there were just four runners and riders in that. Uh, yeah. I was on the the last time. Uh, MLB came to London four years ago. Uh, they had the Loch Ness monster involved. Uh, I don't know what happened, but Nessie is—I I don't know if there were, you know, about some kind of ban for uh, using prohibited substances. But Nessie was replaced by the Grenadier Guard. The Saturday race, uh, Churchill and Henry VIII romped ahead, seemed to reach an agreement to cross the line together. Shades uh-huh. of I think the first London Marathon ended that way, didn't it? Back in back in the eighties. Uh, <laughs> Not but Winston Grenadier- Churchill and Henry VIII, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the um uh yeah the the sunday race the, the grenadier guardsmen romped to victory wow. but there was there was there seemed to be a scuffle between henry the eighth churchill and freddie mercury so again <laughs> allegations of potential race fixing we uh-huh. may never know the truth of that wow we've been talking about names like, today oh, sorry so, people with the same names and you mentioned don bradman there yes and the famously his son changed his name to john bradson because he didn't want to be known as John Bradman. He didn't Bradman. want having the weight of the Bradman name. He didn't move he massively could, away yeah, from exactly. it. John Bradson. You just sound like a, a, like a, John, a Don Bradman tribute act, don't you, <laughs> yeah. really? That's, that's a bit strange. So um, we mentioned you, I saw you uh, some stats from the, the women lost the uh, the Ashes test uh, this morning, England's women to Australia. So, uh, but it was, you know, it was a bit of a landmark test uh, in, on a few levels, Andy, wasn't it, stats-wise? Yeah, there were more runs scored than any other women's test. And there's only been, a, I think it was the 145th women's test since the first one in the in the 1930s. It's been played very sporadically, particularly recently. Uh, but this was the highest scoring test by quite a long way. The fastest scoring test by quite a long way is about 3.7 and over. And we're seeing you know, the impact of professional T20 leagues and more professionalism in international cricket. Uh, that you know, the power and range of stroke of the batters is significantly better than it was even uh, certainly 10 years ago. Uh, it's led to a much more dynamic game. I think the seam bowlers are slightly struggling to keep up with the advance in batting. We saw this game dominated by the two spinners, Eccleston with 10 wickets and Ashley Gardner for Australia uh, with 12. And they were, you know, the key the key bowlers caused the most trouble to the batters. But it was a yeah, it was a really fascinating game. And England had a double centurion, Tammy Beaumont, and 10 wickets by Eccleston. 
no team has ever lost a test match, men's or women's, having both a double centurion and a 10-wicket bowler. And it had only happened five times in the 60,000-plus match history of long-form first-class cricket. So uh, it, was, it was a strange game and a lot of really, really good cricket in it, a lot of swings of, uh, of momentum and some, uh, some nice stats as well. I'm enjoying your work on TMS as ever. And uh, <clears throat> it's interesting. Now, I've seen, they asked you something in the last test match and I was thinking... God, how's he going to know that? Of course, it's all presumably all the records are on computer. But then I was thinking about Bill Frindle. How did he do it when they asked him? Something? Yes, <laughs> we have thousands and thousands of wisdom just sort of sitting there. It's, it's, <laughs> your life has been made slightly easier, hasn't it? I would imagine, Andy, with the internet. Uh, the internet has definitely changed the role of, of on-air statistician. Bill Frindle, from what I've heard, he used to basically have a trolley of books that he took around the world. Uh, with him, so uh, things have definitely changed and are a lot simpler with all the various databases available uh, online. So yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's rather easier to look these things up. There's and obviously, you know, the, I guess the challenge is to try and find the things that are most interesting to the listeners and help illustrate what's uh, what's happening in the game. One stat that we all know is is the Aussies' record at Lords. I mean, mm, England have good. won seven of the thirty-seven Ashes. Uh, test matches against Australia at Lords. The Aussies have won 15 Ashes tested. I mean, you say the weight of history going into this one. Yes, although a couple of those England wins have been recent. Uh, in 2009, mm. um, Strauss's team uh, won at Lords, and England hadn't won since 1934 at that point. They won again in 2013. So they've had a, cu- a bit of a bit of recent uh, Lords uh, Lords success. But uh, they were heavily beaten there in in 2015. The 2019 game was a, a kind of tense draw with quite a lot of rain. It was the game where Joffre Archer concussed uh, Steve Smith. There a lot of dramatic cricket in that, but it ended up with a with a with a sort of evenly fought draw, uh, and then was followed by the Stokes game at Headingley before Australia came back to win at Old Trafford. So I, I you never know how much ground history really plays in to these games I think uh, it's more something that uh, us in the media like to talk about I don't think players are thinking oh well Headley Verity took 15 wickets here in 1934 <laughs> so it might be tricky for us this year um, <laughs> but yeah it's uh, I mean it's set up the, the first test was such a fascinating match uh, and although England lost they did a lot of really good things and probably should have won now clearly it might be that that turns out to be their one big chance or it might mm. be that it showed that their strategy does work so mm. there's sort of as much excitement and build up for this second test as there as there was for the first. And um, obviously you you head down on the cricket over the next few weeks, but are you up to anything comedy wise at the moment? Uh, not uh, not at the moment. No, I've, yeah, I'm uh, yes, snout down in cricket stats for mm. the next few weeks. Still doing the bugle podcast, the news quiz on Radio Fourth back in September, and uh, I think I'm doing a tour early next year. Although mm. I haven't had uh, full dates. Yes, but yes, there will be a tour at some point in 2020. Nice, and we'll, we'll chat to you before then, I'm sure. Cheers, Andy, thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Andy Zaltzman writing in today's Guardian. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. <clears throat> yeah, sad news broke uh, around lunchtime that Craig Brown, the former Scotland manager, died uh, aged 82. I believe Pat Nevin's going to be joining us shortly to join the, the conversation. Pat worked with him at club level as well, of course, as, as with Scotland doing well. But um, as we were saying to Jim White, the Tartan Army uh, saw him as uh, one of their, their great managers. And a Tartan Army regular man, we often turn to talk Scottish football, joins us now, the Suns TV columnist, Ali Ross. Hi, Ali. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, as I said, there, there was a there was a poll of Tartan Army fans and Craig Brown, I think, came out as a favourite ever Scotland manager as I said qualifying for back-to-back tournaments would have would have been part of that but what, what are your your memories of his time in charge of the Scotland team yeah I, I think it was it's a cumulative thing with Craig um it, it was good at the time but it, it took years of failure to uh, ram home the point just how good he was and he was making bricks without straw and to an extent, especially towards the end of his time as manager and getting them over the line because he he was so tactically astute. I I was lucky enough to get to know him reasonably well towards the end of his time. And I always remember before we played England at Wembley in 99, he said, don't worry, we're going to win this game. (laughs) And it it was a star-studded England lineup. And I, I said, my spirits were down after the first leg. And he just said, you cut off the supply to Michael Owen. And that's what we'll do. And we'll attack them and they won't expect it. And it, it, 
it was exactly what happened in the game. Mm. It was extraordinary. And he, he, he did that again with Ronaldo at the opening game of the uh, 98 World Cup. And right up until last weekend, he was still giving interviews with uh, the Scottish press saying, well, that's what uh, uh, Scotland need to do with Haaland. And he worked out the game plan for that. It was an incredible football brain on the, in the man. And he, above and beyond that, he was an absolute gentleman and a, a really funny guy as well. Mm. Yeah, that's and what be yeah, right. we mad. went to that game. Yes, we were there. Yeah, Don Hutch's header, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it, was, it, wasn't it, enough, was. it wasn't enough on aggreg- aggregate to do it, but everybody just thought England would roll them over after what happened at Hamden. And it was technically, oh. it was a brilliant performance that night by by Scotland and by Craig Brown. As we said, um, Pat Nevins joined us. Pat um, signed for Clyde. It was Craig that signed him for Clyde back in the day. Of course, he played under him with Scotland as well. Hi, Pat. Hi there. How you doing, guys? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Again, I mean, they say, you, maybe it overblows it, say you owe your career, but he certainly gave you the star, didn't he? Well, I don't think it does overblow it. I'll mm. be honest with you. Um, you know, the way it happened was I was, I'd been at Celtic as a kid and then uh, I was just playing boys club football for fun and we're playing against uh, the youth team or, where we thought it was the reserves of Clyde. Turns out there were some first team players. And as I walked off a pack, Greg Brown said to me, do you fancy playing for Clyde? And I said, no, not really. I'm doing a degree. <laughs> and he said, well, you could do both. I, oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, within two years, I was at Chelsea, player of the year. And all from Craig Brown caring, but also having the knowledge and the consideration to think, actually, yeah, education and football can work together because he'd done that. Mm. Because he'd been a headmaster, you know, he'd been a lecturer, um, and he had a wider sense of it. And just listening in there, I agree, by the way, completely about his humour and his gentlemanliness. You can't actually talk about Craig without thinking about that. So, you know, yes, I do in my whole career, but so many others in a similar position. Craig was always... You know, for that tactical astuteness that we were talking about there, I agreed completely. Um, I would add one other thing on top of that. People talk, and I think they will say about Craig Brown's time, you know, where does it sit in the pantheon of Scottish football? You know, I worked under Craig and Andy Roxburgh before him, but Craig was a, a basically a wingman, right standing beside Roxy as well. I think it was their era as opposed to one era. I think both of them together, you have to look at what they did and how they brought Scottish football into a team that, you know, now and again qualified to a team that almost always qualified. And it was extraordinary to do it. And a lot of it was to do with that ability to understand people and to get a group spirit. So many people have said he was a, he was a, a, a lovely man, but, you know, to, to make it in football management, you have to be ruthless at times. Pat, did you see that side of him as well in football terms? Never to me, has to be said. <laughs> he was almost, well, I used to get stuck before for, for being his son in the dressing room quite a lot of time. <laughs> so he was, he was always good with me, but strong and honest. The, honest is the thing. Ruthless enough. Look, hey, he was ruthless enough not to take me to the Euros 96 when mm. I thought I should be going. I was in the squad right before it, you know, and even though we were close and would think I would think of him as a friend as much as a manager. You know, if he thought it was the right thing for the group, he would do the right thing for the group. And yeah, ruthless is one way of putting it, but just absolutely honest and straightforward to what he thought was the right thing for the right time. Never a bad word between us. Even, you know, something as important as that. I was pretty keen to play in 96, I have to say. Um, but no, you know, we, we accepted it. We moved on and we were, you know, just as friendly and as straight as ever, ever we were before. And it was a lot of people like that. Now, you will make, you know, some, you will put some noses at a joint. I'm sure Craig did the odd one or two himself. But, you know, in the midst of it, you couldn't stay annoyed with Craig Brown. It was just too likeable. It was just too much fun. He just had too many good lines, you know, that, you know, not in a smarmy way, just in a kind of kind, considerate, but also intelligent way as well. Mm-hmm. And Ali, he was uh, your beloved Aberdeen. He was a manager there. And what, what was he like at Aberdeen? Well, he had three seasons. I think that was his probably his last job mm. in in Scottish football. He, he he did as well as as can be expected in those circumstances in a, in a a very uneven playing field. Um, so we we probably didn't get him at his at his prime. But um, g- given what we've experienced since and immediately before that, he he did a very fine job, and he's spoken of so highly by everyone at Aberdeen Football Club, who a sense of grief today is, is is palpable from the statements they put out, which are not just going through the motions. They're stating that Craig was a beloved part of the family, which if you know the Aberdonian character, they don't say these things 
uh, willy nilly. It's it, you have to wrench something as, as warm and loving out of that, out of an Abadonian. So it, it's clearly heartfelt, and it'll be hugely missed. Yeah, uh, and uh, Pat, I mean, in your minds, when you think of Craig, is there is there a moment? Is there will there be sort of one memory that that, that comes to mind? One prominent one. You know, one's jumped into me um, just today, and my wife just come back in for work, and I had to tell her. And uh, Craig always, it, it met my wife. Um, we were just going out, boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, and he got on very well with her. And then he, he got me afterwards, and he grabbed me. and went, "Don't lose that one. Stick. She's she's a, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. You don't know how good she is." You, and he never, for the rest of his life, stopped asking about Annabelle. You know, and always knew the background, knew where she came from, knew her dad did, know the rest of it. I mean, how strange is that for, you're talking 40 odd years here, you know, mm. yet he still had that caring consideration. And it turned out, as usual, once again, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's lovely that that is a personal memory and, and not a football one, because you probably could have had loads of football ones, but it says more about, but more about the <laughs> man than it does just about being a, a football man. Because he cares about people, mm. and he always cared about people. One other thing, Craig and I have been in touch. I mean, we worked not just with football there, but after that, you know, and co-commentators and things yeah. like that, we went to World Cups together. We've done all that stuff. So it was always a kind of straight friendship as opposed to, you know, a kind of he's my boss, etc. It wasn't really like that with Craig and I, but it was like that with everyone. And the one thing I will tell you that's a really important thing to know, all the way up to, I'd say, a month ago, he was still texting me regular to say, like, I've got a player here, he's, he's in his 50s now, he's, he's, he's not doing so well, but he played a month down in England, you were the PFA chairman, can you do anything for him, can you get the union? And he didn't. He, had, he constantly did that all like, for 20 odd years, you know, I've not been chairman of the union for years, but he was absolutely right. And why was he doing it? Just to help other people, because yeah. that's what he did, and that sums up what Craig Brown was like. He cared about everyone else, be it, you know, your wife or your, you know, your your teammates, people that he'd never played with himself. He just cared about other people. Well, Pat, Ali, thanks, Pat, thanks thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much. Pleasure. No problem. So there's uh, Pat Nevin, who uh, played under um, Craig Brown and knew him very well, and Ali Ross of the Tartan Army were their memories of uh, Craig Brown, the former Scotland manager, who sadly died earlier on today. I'm sure there'll be more tributes on TalkSport uh, later in the afternoon into the, the evening. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That's how it all unfolded today. Yeah. I'll do it again tomorrow with uh, Charlie Andy's back on Wednesday. Do hope you can join us. Then Nick Mohammed's in tomorrow uh, from Ted Lasso. So we're looking forward to that. So do hope you can join us from one. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.